Welcome to the Embodied CEO Podcast. I'm Kirsten, and while I'm an integrative performance dietitian by trade, a mom of three, and a wife, I am also a nearly two-decade entrepreneur turned business mentor, and I've seen all sorts of iterations of how to do business. And I'm tired of female business owners not fully stepping into their power because the road we've been told we have to take to get here sucks. In this podcast, I'm empowering entrepreneurs to trust their voice and expertise, to start thinking big when it comes to their business, and to move forward unapologetically toward goals that don't have to make sense to other people. Let's have the big conversations. Let's lay it all out on the table. And let's support each other forward in this crazy journey of entrepreneurship. Oh, and let's have some fun while we're doing it. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of the Embodied CEO podcast. I am super excited about this one. And as per usual, I say this at the start of every episode, I should have hit recording five minutes ago because we just had an entire conversation about Pollo Tropical. This is a free plug for all of those of you who own a Pollo Tropical franchise. This is a free plug for you because we just got busy talking about our favorite like quick and grab to go food in Florida. So for the rest of you that don't know, sucks to be you, you're missing out. It is time to take a trip to Florida and when you're down there, Pollo Tropical is what you want to go eat. But that's not what we're here for today, but it would have been a really good conversation to record. But instead, I am here with one of the most joyful and bright people that I have ever had the pleasure of meeting randomly in the online space, Miss Aislinn McKenna. Aislinn, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be such an amazing podcast, and I'm so excited to be here. So thank you. I'm just ready to chat because you and I always have a really, really good conversation. And you and I met, uh, I always like to give the background on like, where do I meet all of these wonderful people? And it speaks to one of my favorite things, the power of a mastermind, (laughs) because literally every amazing human in the online space that I have met, that I have formed connections with, has been in a mastermind. And you and I met in a mastermind like a year and a half ago. I don't even know how long ago it was at this point, year ago, maybe. I think it was right about a year. I'm fairly certain it was in like May of last year, which is wild to me because I feel like I've known you for way longer, but I also feel like that mastermind was like two seconds ago. (laughs) And that's the thing about masterminds, right? Like you form this connection where you're like, I feel like we were maybe born to different mothers at the same time and we are sisters sort of, but not really. But like at the same time, it was a year ago, right? But this is the reality of mastermind. Also, you guys can't see this because we're not recording video, but I just stepped off my uh, walking treadmill. So Aislinn is like, WTF just happened to you because you just shrunk by a foot. <laughs> but I needed to get my face closer to the microphone. So that is just what happened. Okay. So Aislinn, before we kind of dig in, we met at this mastermind. So obviously you and I do very similar things. We're both online business coaches, but we are sort of in different spaces in the online world. We're not, but we are, right? Like you and I have a different kind of target audience and, and, and you know, ideal clientele. Tell everybody a little bit about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So hi, guys. My name is Aislinn. You can call me Ace if you want to. I've been going by that for years. I didn't know that. Yeah, you can call me Ace. I didn't know people called you that. Okay, well, that's what we're going to call you now. I always used to say that when I was a wedding photographer, you guys can call me Ace because it's way easier to yell across the ballroom than my full name. No Ace. Exactly. (laughs) So I was a luxury wedding photographer for 13 years, and now I'm an intuitive business coach, and I help women in the wedding industry, master their mindset and create more money in their business. I love that. And I originally thought that you mainly work with wedding photographers, but you really help all sorts of wedding professionals master their business. Is that accurate? Or is it still mainly photographers? Funny enough, photographers are not actually like my main clientele. Like uh, I mostly work with wedding planners and florists. Like those are the ones who are like, please help me. (laughs) 
But I love that so much, which again, the parallels between our worlds, right? I'm a dietitian by trade. And initially when I stepped into the business mentorship piece, all the dietitians were flocking to me and I had other people going, oh, I wish you helped other people. And I'm like, but listen, like business is business. I help everybody who is scaling their business because that's like my background is in businesses of all variety. It is not just nutrition. That happens to be the online coaching business that I first ran, but I ran several businesses before that. So I love that we kind of step into this from one place but everything we do translates, right? Because it's, it's, you're running a business and especially in your case, intuitive business mentorship, like it is not about the nuance of here's your camera setting. (laughs) It is about the broad picture of how do you exist in this world and how do you make yourself known and how do you navigate the ups and downs and all of that. So I love it. But the main thing that I want to talk about real quick, because this is just like first, first time I met you, this was so impressive to me. And this happens a lot where I meet people significantly younger than me. And I'm just like blown away by your story. You started a business when most people like the idea of starting a business is like something they have in the back of their head for, you know, like three decades further down the road. Tell everybody kind of how you stepped into your own wedding photography business and where that road started. Yeah, absolutely. So I am 30 years old and I started my business when I was 16 years old. I was 30 years old. (laughs) (laughs) So I started my business while I was still in high school, uh, which is like wild to me. And I, I look back at that season and I'm like, dude, what were you thinking? Like, how did you act so fearlessly as a 16 year old? But I think like when I think back to that season, like I had like the support system and the fallbacks of like my family. Like if I failed, it was just kind of like, okay, cool. I'm going to go do my homework now. <laughs> like, like it wasn't like, oh, if I fail, like my, you know, my family's counting on me. It's like, no, if I fail, I'm just going to keep trying or I'm going to go do my homework that I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I love that actually that when you said a second ago, how did I have that sort of chutzpah when I was 16? It's because you were 16. Do you know what I mean? Not just the fact that you had no outside responsibilities, but like I have a teenager now and like she literally believes that the son was made in her presence. Do you know what I mean? Because that is the very annoying sometimes from a parenting perspective, but very amazing from a self-belief and self-trust perspective, the most amazing thing about us as people, right? Like when, and I say this all the time, when we're young, especially when we're in our teenage years and the frontal cortex is still catching up, we're just like bathed in this self-confidence and this like, I can do, I'm invincible. I can do anything. So I mean, amazing for you that you took that. And instead of going, I can go drive my car hundred miles an hour on the interstate and be that invincible. You decided I can go start a business and be invincible. Like I freaking love that. Thank you. Yeah, it's wild to me because I was definitely the weird kid in the hallway reading books. Like I was not like super popular. I was not like super like confident in myself. But what was so interesting is that like when I picked up a camera, immediately people were like, wow, how old are you? Wow, can I pay you to do this? This is like better than what I paid for last year when I had family photos on the beach. And so I had not only adults telling me that, but I had my friends in high school telling me that. And so it kind of like, it was this mirror back to me of like, oh, hey, I might actually be good at this. And people believe that I'm good at this. So I guess I need to believe that I'm good at this. And so I, I'm really grateful for the like the very first people who like believed in me in that way, because it wasn't just my parents like blowing smoke up my skirt and saying like, hey, like, you're really great at this. You should definitely pursue this. Like people were like outside of my family, like saying like, hey, you're really good at this. I want to pay you. It's your sort of your first unofficial mastermind, right? Like you're in a <laughs> circle of. of people that are just literally telling you honestly. And this this to me is like two points on that, right? 
point number one, tell people when they're good at stuff. Yeah. Like be that person that tells someone else that they're good at it. And how many people don't do that, right? When I first met my husband, he would go around and pay compliments to like random people that he saw. And, you know, when we first met and he would say this to other women. I was like, the fuck are you doing? Because there was a jealousy component. <laughs> but then I realized it wasn't about that at all. He's just genuinely a person who's who believes firmly that people need to know when they're great at something and that somebody needs to tell them. And how amazing that you had those people in your sphere that first of all noticed because everybody's so wrapped up in their own crap all the time, right? Like first they noticed and then second, they went out of their way to say, hey, like you got something here and and you believed it because they believed it in the beginning. We have to borrow, right? That self-confidence yeah. a little bit from somebody. But then you ran with it. Like tell the rest of that story and I'm going to shut up and let you finish, but tell the rest of that story of like you started at 16 and it snowballed. Yeah. So I started at 16. The first things I was doing, my best friend at the time was in modeling school, which I don't know if you guys remember, modeling school was like a thing for teenagers back in this time frame. They advertised in the mall and they had like ads in the local paper and in the back of Seventeen magazine. I may or may not remember. Yes. <laughs> so uh, she was in modeling school and she needed photos. And so she would come over to my backyard and we would like do like modeling photo shoots. And this was when Facebook was just getting started. And so we would post these on Facebook. Book, and then people started asking me to do their senior portraits. And then because I was getting introduced to the parents of these like friends, they were like, Hey, can you do family photos too? And I was like, I can do anything at this point, because I don't know what I can do. I'll photograph your dog. What do you need? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually did pet headshots for a while. It was really fun. But yeah, so after that, um, one of my mom's friends was a wedding photographer, and she hired me to come along to a wedding. And she paid me $500, which to a 17 year old. Oh, my God, that's everything. It's everything. Like that was like, literally the most money I'd ever seen in my life. Like I got paid in cash. And it was just like, what is this? Were you like sitting on your bed doing the like swipe in the cash and you're like rolling around on the five $500 bills on your bed. <laughs> no, I think I stuck it under my mattress and my dad was like, you have to get a bank account. And I was like, fine. <laughs> He's like, this can't live here under the mattress, Ace. It can't. <laughs> <laughs> so I second shot my very first wedding at 17. And when I went to that wedding, I actually thought to myself, like, I will never do weddings. This is horrendous because at that wedding, there was some like social dynamics that were going on that were really uncomfortable. And I actually had this photograph of like some social dynamic that was happening at the end of the night. And I was just like, I don't think I want to be a part of this. But because I had gotten paid so much money and people were telling me like, wow, you're really good at this. And other people were starting to come to me to ask if I could like photograph things that were bigger than just like family photos. I was like, okay, maybe I can try it again. Maybe I can see if this works. And so my senior year, I went to a small private school, the second half of my high school years, my senior year, we had to do like a graduation kind of project. And you had to pick like a discipline, basically. And so I picked photography. And so for this particular project, you had to shadow people who were in your field that you wanted to go into. And you had to get, I think it was like 100 hours of like volunteer hours. That's significant. Yeah. It, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. So I reached out to, I think it was 10 different wedding photographers in like kind of my local area. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm doing the senior project. I have to shadow people. You don't have to pay me. I can literally just carry bags. I'll be there. I'll hang out with you. I'll like go to these weddings and I'll carry bags for you. And some of them said yes. Some of them never responded to me, but some of them said yes. And so I started to second shoot for these other photographers or just shadow them on wedding days. Mind you, I did not have a car. So every time I had to do this, my parents had to drive me. You literally started your business with mom and dad as driving you, which is funny. It, timing, very funny. We're recording this today and yesterday um, was a Sunday and my oldest just applied for her first job. And on the question of, do you have reliable transportation without even hesitation, she clicked yes. And I was like, 
you literally don't. She goes, I got you, don't I? And I'm like, okay, I guess this is how this is going. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just wild to me that that was a thing. But so I started second shooting and like assisting and being a bag lady for these different photographers. And when I started doing that, I was like, oh, oh, I actually like this. I actually think this is really cool. And that's when I got my first gig as a photographer. It was one of my mom's friends got married and it was like a three or four hour trip. And she asked me to photograph the wedding. And I was like, oh, okay, this is real. Like, this is actually real. And so that was the- Did it panic you? Like, did you freak out? Because that's like real responsibility of capturing somebody's most sacred moments. And you're not second shooting, like you're it. Did you panic? Uh, A little bit. But at that point, I had already been- I had been practicing. I had been second shooting for other people. I had been shadowing other people. I had like every single weekend, I had like two or three gigs, like where it was either family photos or senior portraits. So like, yeah, I panicked, but I was also like, well, I don't know how more, how much more prepared I can be without actually doing the thing. Yeah. So at some point you just got to jump. You just got to do it. You got to just believe yourself and jump. Yeah. And you did. And how did that go? How'd the wedding turn out? Oh, it was great. It was beautiful. And the clients loved me and the photos are beautiful. And I still like, I still look back on those photos sometimes and think like, wow, you were, I think I was 17 when I took those, like, good job. (laughs) That's wild. That's wild. Okay. So then did you, when you were done with high school, did you go to college? Did you decide I'm all in on my business? What'd you do? Yeah, I went to college. I went to University of Florida. Go Gators. Go Gators. (laughs) This is why we get along. I know. (laughs) You went to the correct school in Florida. For the rest of you listening to who went to the other school in Florida, we are very sorry, but we love you anyway. (laughs) Anyway, continue. So I went to University of Florida and I continued uh, at that point when I was in college, I had already done maybe like 10 weddings by that point. So I like, it was like a pretty quick transition into weddings. And then during college, it just really exploded because I was in, I was literally standing in the room with people who were going to get married in the next five years. Yeah. So from there, it just was like a mastery, like building skills phase of my life. Would you say that before you got into college and yet you said it exploded because this is always the question I get from everybody. It's like, but how, right? Like I want to do the thing and I did the first one and then, but how would you say it was mostly like word of mouth? Did you officially go out and kind of tell people this is what you were doing? Or how do you think the word kind of got out that Aislinn crushes this? Yeah. So again, I went to a small private high school. So we had 88 people in our class and I was definitely a teacher's pet. So I like would like sit in my math teacher's like office and we would have lunch every day. And she would like tell me like, oh, like XYZ person is getting married. I'll say your name to them. Or she'd be like, hey, like, have you done this for your business? And like, I just had so many like mentors in my life, like over the years that wanted to see me win that like, when you think about how, I can't really like say like it was step one, two, and three. I think it was always just this like everything I'm doing is adding up to something bigger. So every interaction matters. So me saying to my you know best friend like, hey, like I am now like photographing senior portraits, and she's like you know a junior. She's like, oh, my older sister needs senior portraits. I'll talk to my mom tonight at dinner. It's just connection. Like yeah. I, I think like I look back like on the 14 years that I've been in business. The reason I succeeded is just being myself and then just making connections everywhere I go. Like you cannot be this isolated island and think that your business is going to succeed. 
I always call it boots on the ground, right? Because everybody thinks I'm building an online business. So then they're like, I will promote on Instagram. And while that is huge and a huge amount of my clientele, for example, happens to come through Instagram. But when I first started, especially on the nutrition coaching side, it was boots on the ground. It was me showing up everywhere. It was me telling everybody. It was me telling my friends. It was my friends telling their friends. It was my my friends telling their moms, my friends telling their sister-in-laws. And it was just this like, you kind of, you know, the ripple effect of like you drop a pellet and then that pellet gives you that ripple effect. But if you never get out and you never have that conversation with people, like every opportunity that was potentially in front of you is gone and is lost because you're so focused on, I'm afraid to make that noise, which I kind of want to take that to the next thing I want to talk to you about because you ended up doing some very high-end wedding photography. I mean, you were a luxury wedding photographer, which first of all, I did not have a luxury wedding. By the way, my wedding was beautiful and I loved everything about my wedding. The worst part of my wedding, ironically, was not our drunk minister who forgot our name. <laughs> it's a true story. It was our photographer. The photos were actually pretty atrocious, which sucks because it was our fault because we were trying to take a shortcut because we were poor people, but that's neither here nor there you stepped into high-end luxury wedding photography. Tell us how that came about from like word of mouth with friends and family and whatever, and suddenly here's luxury weddings. And I have two questions that I want you to dig into. One, where did that idea come from and how did that first opportunity arise? And then two, were you terrified and did any kind of imposter syndrome creep up, even though you'd done all the others, but now we're talking different caliber, different level, right? Like walk me through that. Yeah. So I think I'll start with number one, like, how did I get in those rooms? Like, how did I get those weddings? So by the time I was doing luxury weddings, like, and I got little air quotes here, you guys can't see them. By the time I was doing luxury weddings, I had already been a photographer for, I'd say like seven years, maybe eight years at that point. Like I had I had experience, I had a process, I had a workflow, I had clout. That was kind of the point where I was like, I definitely knew what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. I knew what I could expect at most weddings. And I think the other thing with like, how did I get into those rooms? There was not a single year in my entire wedding photography career that I wasn't second shooting for other people. And sometimes I would even help like wedding planners. Like I would go like be like a helper for a wedding planner on a wedding day. So like, over the years, I started to get really connected with a lot of people across like the Southeast, because that's where I was based at the time. And I would second shoot for people and they would have higher end weddings. And what I started to realize was like, these higher end weddings were not that different than the lower end weddings. They just almost funny enough, they were less chaotic because the higher end weddings had the money to like hire out all of the different tiny little details. So the chaos was a lot more managed. And so me coming from like kind of more like budget and like lower tier like weddings, like there was a lot of chaos that I had to like learn how to manage. So like when I got to the higher end ones, I was just like, oh, this is easy. It's so calm. It's so chill. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So during my college years, I mentored underneath of a wedding photographer who was a luxury wedding photographer. And she had clients that were definitely wealthy and spending a lot of money on their weddings, but her clients were not the nicest people. (laughs) I'll just put it that way. I had a client who like I was second shooting and the mother of the bride threw a tissue box at my face because she didn't like what I said. Oh, that's lovely. Emotions run high at weddings, right? Yeah. Can you imagine like throwing a tissue box at a 21 year old? Like, no, I cannot imagine throwing a tissue box at anybody, period, because that's just not how I roll. But yeah, that's amazing. Not that sucks. Yeah. What did you do? 
I excused myself in the room and cried and came back. Smart. Yes, that's probably what I would have done too. But like you were the, you were the professional and you came back. Okay. So then continue the story. So the the people weren't nice. So then what? Yeah. So my first kind of foray into luxury weddings, like I was like, oh my God, people aren't nice. I don't know that I want this. But then I started second shooting for other people who were also luxury wedding photographers and they had the nicest clients who were paying them five figures and who were like just the coolest people in the entire world. And I was like, oh, okay okay, so when I get to this level and when I start doing this, I can attract nice people too. And so when I started to raise my prices, I was already connected to people who could refer me. But then I also made sure that I was putting out there the kind of like emotional responses I expect from my clients and and also like the emotional intelligence and like the kindness that I put out into the world. You're not going to hire me if you're going to throw a tissue box at me. Because something about me is going to annoy the crap out of you because I'm too calm and too grounded. The people who have the buddy and are also calm and grounded are going to be like, ah, Aceland feels like home. So as far as like my first luxury wedding, I'd say it was probably, I'd say probably 2019 was like my first like real big luxury wedding. And those clients, funny enough, those clients came from me second shooting and meeting a planner at a wedding like earlier that year. And then there were just people, I lived in a small town in Alabama for about five years. There were people in that town who, when I first got to that small town, they were like, oh, they don't have luxury weddings here. You can't charge more than XYZ here. And I got in with the crowd that you could charge more than that. And it was so funny because I was like, oh, oh, you can do this. Like, even though people are saying you can't, you can do this. So when I got into that crowd, I was just like, these clients are so kind and they have money and they value my process. And of course I'm going to get to work with them because we just are such a great fit. I just took notes on three things that you just said that are so parallel to me about what we do as business mentors, right? And, and we'll get into the intuitive piece of this. I think it'll just roll perfectly off of what I'm about to say, but you just said three things that are the common theme that kept coming out. You increased your skill and you stepped up in the ranks through mentorship, not paid, not whatever, sometimes paid, sometimes you getting paid, sometimes you volunteering your time, sometimes you sitting with your math teacher who wanted you to win, right? Yeah. But the road was paved with mentorship. And every single level that I've ever stepped through, whether this was me succeeding in my own businesses or me simply, you know, up leveling what I was doing as a graduate assistant or how I was managing in my first, you know, corporate job, like whatever the levels were, the rise always came on the shoulders of mentorship, right? And whether it was mentorship I sought out or not, but I had people in my corner who were literally rooting for me and who were holding that mirror. And somebody said this to me earlier, one of my one-on-one clients said this earlier. She's like, I can always count on you to tell me in the most loving manner when I'm fucking up my own path. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, you can, because that is what I'm here to do. I'm not here to do, like you said, blow smoke up your butt, right? Like you said it nicer than I did, but whatever. Not to do that. I'm here to make sure that you have the, the clarity and the vision in the mirror to see this is the path you're choosing, but this is how you're acting. And those two don't match, right? So mentorship was the first. The second thing that I love the way you just said it, the way I project is what I will attract. And if I project myself as a person who was going to take having a tissue box thrown as my head at my head, I will continue to attract people who want to throw tissue boxes at my head. But if instead I project myself as the the professional, the calm, the whatever, whoever you are, whatever is 
valid to you and whatever's important to you, you will attract those people. I always talk about this with my with my business clients about sort of training your audience and understanding how to work with you, right? Like absolute clarity and transparency in who you are and how you function, which is why it is so important to stop having a strange facade on the internet, be who you are, because you don't want the people that think you're something different because it will always feel like there's a tissue box being hurled at your head, right? Yeah. And the third thing that you just said, this this literally came up, conversation that came up with one of my one-on-one clients probably two months ago, we were talking about her pricing, which was atrociously low. And she said, well, where I live, you can't charge that. And I said, you do understand that there's literally not a place where there is a universal standard for what is and isn't acceptable. Because you will always have people that are willing to pay five figures for a wedding photographer. And then you will always have people like my father, the first person that comes to mind who would say, photography, what a waste. We don't need that, right? You will always have all of those people everywhere. I always have people who are like, I am so happy to to throw thousands of dollars at nutrition coaching and others who say, I don't need you for that. I'll Google a macro plan and they will get the results that they've paid for, right? The idea of if we walk into it saying, I can't do that here, then yeah, you can't. But there's a difference between I can't versus it's never been done that way before. So I'm going to be the first to do that. And then you simply raise that standard because you and I both know the price is never the issue. Yeah. The price is never the issue. The transmittal of value and your ability to present yourself as the person who delivers said value and then clearly communicate that to them. And boom, all of a sudden you establish the luxury wedding uh, you know, industry in Alabama. What? There is no, it doesn't exist here. So mentorship, hold your standards and understand that you can't is something someone else is projecting onto you, not something that you have to live by. I love all of that in that story. Yeah, it's wild because I I told my husband when we moved from Florida to Alabama, I was like, I want to make sure that I've left this market better than I found it. And then when we left from Alabama to Colorado, I fully believed I left that market better than I found it. When I found the Alabama market, like when we moved there for my husband's job, people didn't believe they could charge certain things. They were not doing styled shoots, which is like basically collaboration together. They were terribly negative like mindsets. And I like when I left, like I had built so much community and done so much like and I don't say this to be like ego stroking. Like I say this like Absolutely not. No. During the five years that I was there, it was really important to me to build connection and that we had COVID during that time. Like we like that was the COVID years. So like during that time I was like, I'm not leaving this community feeling like it was the same as when I found it. So I'm going to build connection. I'm going to build opportunities. I'm going to make friendships. I'm going to do things that light me up creatively. And whatever happens, happens. And no timeline and no agenda attached to it, right? Which to me is always the key. And do you want to make this? And I've started, I've switched, actually, I've started calling it your empire instead of your business, because I truly feel like for most of us, that's what it is about, because it isn't about the dollar sign at the end of the day, right? It's not about how many dollars did people pay me this month? It's about how much impact did I have? How much did I shift belief systems? How much did I encourage somebody to do something that they didn't think was within them, but I see see it clear as day, right? I see it clear as day the second that they walk into my space. I see it in them, but they don't believe it. How much of that was I able to mobilize in somebody? That's why I'm here. That's empire building. That's not money making. That's empire building. You can get making money is not hard. You and I've had this conversation offline before, right? Like making money is actually not difficult. 
difficult. Creating something of value that has true impact and that is sustainable and that will give you your freedom of your personal empire and your legacy is very different. And what you just described is exactly that, which is, again, why it's not about how many followers can I get or you know how many people showed up to this thing. It's about how much community and true connection are you building with the people in your space. I want every single person that enters my world to genuinely know who I am because they've heard me speak. They've seen me do things. They know my character and my integrity behind it. And they connect with that. And then, yeah, let's also do the business mentorship stuff because that's just kick ass and you can grow generational wealth down the road from that. Yeah, sure. But first and foremost, the community and the connection, because like you just said, you left a place better than it was before you got there. And that's everything to me. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I wrote this on one of my like Instagram stories a while back that like my legacy was never the pretty photographs that I took. My legacy was how I made people feel. And like, I feel like I still live by that even as a coach. Like my legacy is not how much money I can make as a coach. My legacy is how I can impact lives. Which is why you bring so much light wherever you are. Yeah. <laughs> you walk into a space and you just light it up. It's so funny because uh, my name is Aislinn Eileen, which in Gaelic, which is Irish, means vision of light. So it's just like funny that that like happens to be. The universe always delivers. The universe always delivers, right? It's or so my mom. perfect. <laughs> well, but where did your mom get the idea for that name, right? Like she had a vision for who you are and what fits. I always look at our kids too with names. It's such a funny thing. Like, you know, you meet some people and the name doesn't fit. Like it just doesn't go. And then you meet other people and you're like, you're exactly that. Like I look at my kids and I'm like, like my youngest, her name is Dylan um, and she's a girl. And she's always like, I can't believe you called me a boy's name. I'm like, I didn't. It's a unisex name. And she's a Dylan. You would see her and she's a Dylan. If she had been an Annabelle, people would look at her and go, what? That name does not match. She is a Dylan. That's who she is. So it's something connected and your mother named you the right name is my point. <laughs> that is my point. Okay. But I want to talk about, because you and I have very similar business philosophies. Obviously, we've kind of touched on that, right? But you, we have very similar business philosophies. And you said at the beginning that you are an intuitive business coach. Tell people a little bit about what that means to you and how you interact with your clients to keep it in intuitive realm while making sure that people's businesses are functional. Yeah. So when it comes to being an intuitive business coach versus just being a business coach, when you think about business coaching, there's a lot of like structures and strategy and there's things that you have to have in place in order to have a business. That stuff is stuff that I will absolutely talk to you about. However, I also want to talk to you about creating a business that feels like you and creating a business that is not built out of FOMO. It is not built out of people pleasing. It is not built out of what your partner expects from you. It is built out of your desires and your wants. And it takes some layers, peeling back layers to get to that sometimes. So when I think about intuitive business coaching, like, yeah, sure. Like we're going to talk about like energy and manifesting and mindset and all those different things. But at the root of it, it's, are you creating a business and are you creating a life that is a life that you actually want? So that's why I'm an intuitive business coach is because like, sure, I can throw a shit ton of strategies at you. I've been in business for 14 years. I want you to build something that you actually want because otherwise, like, go get a different job. Yes. Yes. And I will die on that hill, right? Like if you're just looking to make money, there are many easier ways to make money than entrepreneurship. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Entrepreneurship is not easy. It is not a shortcut. It is not a simple road. But entrepreneurship done right is the most freeing thing you'll ever do to make money, right? Like the money is the side effect of that then. The the high potential of money is a beautiful cherry on top of that, that ice cream sundae. 
But if it's not something that you truly genuinely enjoy and you're not willing to go through the evolution because it will shift, you and I perfect examples of that, right? We both started out in one business and I actually at one point with my husband ran an IT consulting business, very different from a nutrition coaching business, right? Different iterations, but that is where the road led me and those were the evolutions that happened in order for me to be where I am now and I'm I'm nowhere near done evolving, right? The evolutions will continue, but that's the beautiful part about doing business the way that you and I do business and what it sounds like you help your clients with what I certainly want my clients to take away from it is that there's no right or wrong and the only thing that is right is continuously checking in with where are you on this journey and does it feel good? Because if it did if it doesn't, we need to shift and it doesn't matter what Susie did. It doesn't matter what what coach Jenny did. It doesn't matter what the coach who just announced she made 14 gazillion trillion million dollars this year did. That's not your life. What's your life and where do you fit in there and what do you want to do in there? So I love I love that. And I'm sure your clients love that, right? Because that's that's success to me in the end. Yeah, because a lot of my clients, they will, they're in the wedding industry and they'll go to the other coaches and educators in the wedding industry and they'll learn strategy and stuff, but those coaches are not teaching them mindset, nervous system regulation. They're not teaching them confidence tools, how to like roll your shoulders back and sit up taller so that your diaphragm is more open so that you sound more confident on video. Like they're not going to teach them those things, but I'm going to teach them those things because I want them to succeed and I want them to succeed while it feels, you know, like it actually feels good to succeed. Yeah. I always say your business should be an extension of you, not your business is the thing that you do and then you fit your life around it. No, your business should be a direct reflection of who you are as a person. And when that's why I was saying earlier how impressive that at 16 you had that confidence. And I think probably, like you said, because there was very little risk with it at the time, right? The risk seems much bigger the older we get, but the risk in the end is always the same because you can always pivot. You can always pivot. You can always start over. And I say that firmly as a person who has had a business that has failed in the past and we just started over. We just did a different one, right? So the risk is always there, but the risk just seems like a bigger burden the older you are. But when you can go past the risk and truly embody who you are and make your business an extension of that, my God, how beautiful it can be, right? Yeah. Looking back at your business at 14 years of doing this, tell me what has been the biggest surprise to you of business ownership? Okay. So I'm still kind of surprised. Like I'm 30, like, and like I've been doing this for almost 15 years. Like I'm still kind of surprised. Like some days when I remember that, like, I'm actually the one who's steering the ship. Cause sometimes I'm like, no, no, like I'm out here like sweeping the deck and like, I'm out here like, you know, in the galley and stuff. Like I'm not the one who's supposed to be like at the helm, like steering the ship. And so sometimes I don't feel like the adult in my business. And that surprises me because I've been at this long enough that like, I should feel like the adult, but also looking back at like how long I've been doing this, I wasn't an adult until about halfway through this business. Literally, you weren't an adult, like not even legal. <laughs> you, you couldn't drink at the weddings you went to for the first six years that you did it. Oh my God. There were so many weddings where I was like 18 or 20 or like somewhere in that range where people like the groups would be like, do you want a beer? And I'd be like, I can't. And they'd be like, why? And they'd be like, I'm 20. <laughs> <laughs> but how amazing that you have that that memory and that history, right? But truly, you you grew up with your business, right? Like your business evolved as you did. And you officially sort of retired from the wedding photography piece. Was it this year or last year? Remind me. It was October 2022. So it was last year. It was last year. Tell me what, to, well, I know, but tell everyone else because they don't know. What made you make that decision after, you know, almost 15 years, 14 years of that part of your business? What made you decide I'm I'm hanging up the camera for the professional photographer side. 
Yeah. So it's not like I can like sum this up in one sentence. So whenever somebody is like, tell me about that, I want you guys to recognize that there's probably way more to the story. And there is, there really is. Like, it's not just one thing that led me to that like point of like, okay, I think we're, I think we're going to retire at this point. So I had already been published in Martha Stewart Weddings. I had already been published in Brides. I'd been published in Southern Weddings. I had done weddings that were $1.5 million. Like I had been flown all over the country to photograph weddings. I had a very large set of relationships in the wedding industry. My clients were incredible. They were like, they, I still, I love my clients. Like I still get messages from them. Like I still talk to them. Like I loved my clients. The weddings were amazing. I went to them. I felt so good. I felt like I was making an impact. The clients said I was making an impact. I hit this point where I wanted something more than what I had been doing for 13 years. I felt like it was great that I could take 10 weddings a year and impact, you know, my clients and their families, but I wanted something bigger. Like I wanted to impact something bigger. And during COVID, me and my connection base is like during COVID, I did 77 free coffee dates virtual to create connection in the industry to make sure that people were okay because what a great idea. I love that. It was for me. Like, like but I, I love can't, that. It was like, you know, I'm sure it sounds like super altruistic, but it was for me. I needed the connection because I was going crazy not seeing my friends and not being able to physically be in rooms with people anymore. And so during that time, I did a lot of coffee dates. And what was so interesting was people in the wedding industry, they would say like, I feel like I just had a therapy session after our coffee dates. Or they would tell me like, oh, I raised my prices after we talked. Or man, that thing that you helped me with boundaries, like I actually was able to like do that wedding that I thought I wasn't going to be able to do. And what I realized was that I could create a bigger impact and leave a larger legacy if I was helping the people who were on the ground versus if I was on the ground. I could help 10 people a year as a wedding photographer, or I could help thousands and thousands of people because of like that ripple effect of like, if I teach the pebble in the water. Yeah. If I teach a wedding photographer how to set better boundaries and they can communicate better with their client, that photographer has, you know, 20 clients and then they teach it to their friend. They teach it to their friend. Like there's just so much more of a ripple effect than just being boots on the ground. So I hit this point where I was like, okay, I could, I could keep doing this. I could probably keep doing this for another five years and be like, good, but I kind of want to try something different and I kind of want to do something bigger. And I feel this really large pull, like it felt like a physical pull of like, I'm meant to do more coupled with a terrifying, terrifying mindset of I've been doing this for 13 years. I have mastery level skill sets and I'm going to walk away from that. Like it, that was, it was hard to hold both of those at the same time. But I think that is the sign of an entrepreneur, right? Because it is inherently risk and it is inherently continuous movement. And, and we talked about right before we hit record, right? I'm a human design manifester. You're a manifesting generator, which means we're sort of like half twinsies, right? Like <laughs> we, we are the people that are going to continuously carve a new path, right? Like uh, in my case, without first needing permission, in your case, for you to sit and having an invitation from yourself that this is the right thing to do and when to move. Mine sometimes is a lot more like, boom, I see it, we go, which sometimes is great, sometimes backfires. But the point is, we are we are designed to 
go after the poll. And whenever I know there's a physical poll, because I get those two, I already know it's been brewing for six months. Like it's just now I'm noticing that poll. Do you know what I mean? Like the poll has become too big for me to ignore, but it's probably been in the back of my brain for a minute. And it is scary to let go of something in which you have acquired mastery and have established yourself as the go-to person. But that doesn't mean this, this comes down to that self-trust piece again, because that doesn't mean any of that is diminished. It just means you did that how amazing you did that. And now you get to go do the next amazing thing, right? Instead of I'm giving that up, it's I get to grow and I get to expand and I get to have more impact and I get to reach more people and I get to now fulfill this next piece of my inner pull. I think that's incredible. I think you're incredible for making that move. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was really cool. Like when I was doing the retirement, like I had like an exit strategy of like how I was going to do it. So I decided in April of 2022 that I was going to retire and I actually retired in October of 2022. So during that season, I was kind of looking at like, okay, like what, like what's been the past like 13 years of experience? And I like wrote a lot of gratitude lists and wrote a lot of like just kind of like appreciation lists. And it was so cool to like look at it and be like, wow, I get to actually retire from my first career at 29 years old. I don't know anyone else in my life or social sphere, and I have a very large social sphere that can say that. On purpose, right? That retired on, on purpose. purpose as opposed to yeah. like it imploded, right? That, that's amazing. Like you're like, I feel complete in that first career in my life. And you're only 29 when you decide this. That's incredible. Like that's huge. It's wild to to see where this course has led me. And I think it's important, like you and I have both been entrepreneurs for a very long time. So I think it's important to talk about seasons of life and seasons in your business, because I think it's really easy to be like, oh, like, you know, this season is imploding and like nothing's working. And I'm like, I'm like terrible. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, it's really easy to get into that and be like, oh, well, this is just life. Like I've made these choices and this is just life. What I want to remind you guys of from this 30,000 foot perspective of I've been an entrepreneur for so, so long. It's a season. It's a season. Whatever you're going through right now, start to look for the changes of what the next season is. And it's always going to be a season, even when it's perfect. Yeah. Even that is a season because it's like whatever you think you can't ever possibly want to change right now, at some point it's going to feel complete. And that's okay. That's that's That to me is always like when I know I'm on the right path. Do you know what I mean? When I feel like I feel complete here. Like I, ha- I have done this. I, I have done this. I have checked this, not, not off a mental list of like that had to be done, but as a like... I feel like I have gone the journey in this piece and now I'm going the journey over here. And I think that's incredible. Yeah. Okay. I want to end us today with some rapid fire questions. You ready? Yes. Favorite food? Uh, my homemade chocolate chip cookies. <gasps> I'm coming over. Are they slightly underbaked? I have to know because that is the only no. way to do a chocolate chip cookie. Oh, but they are they soft is what I'm saying? So I had to change the recipe when I moved from low altitude to high altitude. Oh, but the ones, yeah. I make, the ones I make here are like cakey and fluffy and they are perfection. Okay. Well, I will, I will allow that. My favorite chocolate chip cookie is the slightly underbaked kind, but allowing for altitude, I'll allow that. And I will come visit you and try them. You have done it now. I'm going to announce myself that I'm coming to visit to your house. Type of people who annoy you the most. The ones who say, this is just who I am, or this is just how I am. Like absolved of all responsibility. I just act this way. Deal with it. Absolutely. I would hate that too. Okay. Early mornings or late nights? Early mornings with a good cup of coffee, late nights with a good book. Oh, good for you. I can only do early mornings. Forget after 8.30 for me. Biggest piece of advice to women coaches who are struggling in their business right now? 
I think I'll go back to the advice I was giving just a minute ago of it's a season. If you're struggling right now, I want you to imagine that this is just a season and start to look for the signs that the next season is coming. So like if you're like a couple weeks away from it being summertime, what are the signs that it's going to be summertime really soon? If you're a couple weeks away from it being like fall, what are the signs that fall is coming? I want you to start looking for those signs of what's my next season. I love that. Okay. Tell people how they can connect with you if they want to know more about you, if they want to know what you're doing, what's going on in your business. Tell us everything that's happening and how to best find you. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys, I am mostly on Instagram. Like that's where I like live and breathe is Instagram. So you can find me at Aislinn Eileen Coaching on Instagram. That's where I'm mostly like hanging out. As far as things that I have going on, I primarily work with wedding professionals. I do have a signature program that helps women in the wedding industry with their mindset. It's an evergreen program. I do kind of like pushes occasionally for enrollment, but it is evergreen. So if you're listening to this in July or August, it's something that you can come find me and like we can get you in. But those are the things that I'm working on right now. And I'm I'm going to be on a lot of podcasts. So if you want to find me, like you can go search Ace and I lead and you'll probably find like at least 10 podcasts that I've been on. And I love that. And I love that your name is such a unique one, like mine usually, that it's pretty searchable. There's not going to be a whole lot of people with the name Aislinn Eileen McKenna, probably. So um, you will find her. But we will also have Aislinn uh, tagged in the show notes, of course. And we will tag her on Instagram as well. So you guys will be able to find her. I'm so grateful that you were here. Thank you for hanging out with me. This was amazing, as I knew it would be. And um, maybe we'll have to do it again sometime in the future with your next season. Yeah, absolutely. For the rest of you, thank you for listening to another episode of the Embodied CEO Podcast. You guys know where you can find me, of course. Here's what's happening in my world. I need you guys to remember that the Evolution Mastermind is an open enrollment. We enroll year-round. That's the place you want to be when you're ready to navigate the seasons. That's what we do in there. We talked earlier about the how and the strategy, and that piece is vital. And you guys know that I have that in the Loop membership. That's where you show up for that because you need the strategy but don't take the mastermind to spend your time on the strategy. The mastermind is where we up-level. The mastermind is where we dig into all of those other things that make you a successful entrepreneur because that isn't just strategy and how. That's a doer and that's vital and we need that piece. But the entrepreneur is simultaneously steering that, steering that ship, as Aislinn was saying earlier, while sweeping the deck. So we're going to teach you how to sweep the deck in the loop, but come steer the ship with us in the mastermind and we can't wait to hear from you. So message me for anything that you guys need. Aislinn, again, thank you so much for being here. She will be tagged in the show notes. You guys connect with her. She is incredible. You will love her. And I am so grateful that you were here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Embodied CEO podcast. To connect with me, Kirsten, head to kirstenscreen.com or find me on Instagram at the Kirsten Screen. My DMs are always open. So drop in and say hi. Be sure to follow, subscribe and share the Embodied CEO podcast and now go out there and take some action. 